0: All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG.
1: Before we start today's podcast, a quick heads up on Sherlock's VIP club, from restaurants, bars and hotels to beauty, wellness and shopping, Sherlock's partners with some of London's best destinations and hottest brands to bring its VIPs exclusive monthly offers. So why not sign up? It'll cost you just £5 a month or £50 for the year. Use your card once or twice and you'll have made that amount back in no time. For more information, visit ShearlarksVIP.com. Donna Hay is Australia's leading food editor and best-selling cookbook author. She's released a staggering 29 award-winning cookbooks, all with her style-driven approach to cooking and minimalist aesthetic. From books to TV, Donna has cemented her name as Australia's first lady of cooking. And now, with the release of her new cookbook, Week Light, she is here to talk to us about everything food and career related. Welcome, Donna. Thank, Thank you. you. I was just saying before we started recording that so many people have messaged me saying, oh my God, you've got Donna Hay coming on the podcast. She's my absolute heroine. So I'm really thrilled. Oh, that's me, so nice to know. You. I mean, you are an institution. People who love cooking, the girls in the office is one of I should be so in said, an
2: institution, well, I think, Tortoise, you what well, you're really trying to say. you look to far too
1: fresh-faced for that. But you are the most celebrated cook in Australia. I think you're pretty well-known over here. But if people don't know you, They're about to get to know you quite well. God, you've had an amazing career. Talk to us about the path and how you got into cooking. Where did it all start? Was your mother some wonderful cook? Oh, dodgy, the big, terrible questions up
2: front. (laughs) Look, my mother has cooking dysmorphia. She thinks she's quite good. (laughs) But she's not. I don't have that romantic story of... You know, I cooked with my mother and I actually cooked out of necessity. Okay,
1: that's a good enough reason. That's
2: the honest truth. No, I actually spent childhoods in my grandmother and grandfather's garden. So I was lucky enough to understand, you know, what shelling fresh peas were. And my grandmother would make me climb to the top of the mulberry tree to pick all the mulberries for her so she could make mulberry jam and... It was quite a fun childhood in their garden. So, so, so
1: that sounds quite romantic. That was nice. So you grew up where?
2: In Sydney, very much in a beachside suburb. And I just spent some of the holidays with my grandparents. And that's where I kind of learnt, you know, how food actually grows and to pick the beans. And they had a fantastic strawberry patch and lots of things. It was really lovely. But my grandmother was just a very basic cook. But I think, you know, for most cooks, if you learn the basics, then it's where you start and...
1: And what did you eat growing up? Just
2: really quite average Australian food. You know, it wasn't adventurous at all. It was meat and three veg and... Just good home cooking. I remember my grandmother being quite a good baker, though, like sponge cakes and lemon curd, and always made her own jams and things like that. And I think that's the thing that's changed now is that you just don't have the time to do that.
1: Very different to what you do now. Yes. And what do you think made you first fall in love with food? I mean, you left school, what happened next? And was food already part of your life? Yeah, when you came at a really young age. Yeah, I was. My dad
2: had made me a cubby house in the backyard, and a sandpit, and a set of swings. He was just one of those guys that could just make anything. Amazing. I used to hang out in my cubby house with my sisters. And I remember making cups of tea and then having to use the sand from the sandpit to make all the cakes and things and put little flowers on them as decorations. So when my mom encouraged me to come into the kitchen and cook, it was like making real-life mud pies. You know, I was so excited that I was allowed to do it all for real. And she used to clean up after me.
1: Oh, it's a dream.
2: I know, every little girl's <laughs> dream. So I used to make the most insane mess.
1: So did you start with puddings? Yeah,
2: like every young girl does, absolutely. And crazy decorated cakes and really garish colours and terribleness. Oh. You probably wouldn't believe I
1: actually come this far
2: <laughs> after seeing my initial creations.
1: Well, everyone has to start somewhere, <laughs> don't they? So you were cooking in the kitchen, and did they come a point me your mother went... Maybe, Donna, you could take over in the household when it comes to food. She must have encouraged me to cook dinner because I do remember
2: then cooking dinner for my family. And then it just kind of snowballed from there. I didn't want to do it as a career because I didn't want to become a chef. I was too scared. It's actually quite as shy little teenager. So I didn't want to be a chef. My parents never raised their voice at me. So the thought of going into
1: a big commercial kitchen and being yelled at was just
2: Mm. not on my radar.
1: So you were cooking at home. You started with puddings. Did you start to cook savoury dishes? Because when I think of you, I think think of you as more of a savoury cook than a sweet cook. I know you do both.
2: Yeah, I do. I mean, as a child, of course, it's always more fun to bake and do crazy sweet things and make things for the school fair and toffees and caramels and sticky things but i do remember the first dinner party i threw when well, okay. i think i was about 9 oh wow and right it was for my dad's birthday you were hosting
1: you were cooking yes
2: what was on the menu well i used Caramel. my mother's special glasses that she got as a wedding gift and i made prawn cocktail in them <laughs> very special glasses i was only allowed to use them for special occasions georgie they weren't just being trotted out for anything that had a prawn cocktail. Can't really remember the details except for maybe some iceberg lettuce and some prawn. Delicious.
1: You know, that to me is very, very interesting. <laughs> You're good there thing.
2: at dad's dinner. Light party, aren't you? on the
1: mayonnaise, please. <laughs> but, you know, lots yes. of lemon
2: and I have delicious. So then I remember dragging out an old cookbook and I made what I thought was very fancy steak diane oh which was probably overcooked really thinly sliced steak with cream like Worcester sauce garlic things like that Mm. quite frightful I'm sure
1: yeah I'm putting that in a box with duck a l'orange which is what I remember my mother cooking yes it is absolutely was probably
2: on the next page in that cookbook (laughs) and then a chocolate blancmange oh because I thought that sounded really fancy was horrible. was, was chocolate it? white sauce. Yes. Now Choc- that I look back, it's just chocolate white sauce. Oh, white sugar chocolate. I love white chocolate.
1: Anyway, so first dinner party, age nine. And then throughout your teenage years, did this continue and evolve and improve?
2: I think so. I think I was just your average teenager. You know, I surfed at the beach and did lots of things like that. So I don't okay. think I was at home pottering around in a little okay. skirt in my regular teenage,
1: teenage years. years. Yeah. You regular. left school. What happened then? I left
2: school. I wanted to go to university to study physiotherapy and I missed out
1: by three marks. Oh. Lucky for me. (laughs) (laughs) Lucky for us, you missed out by three marks. So I
2: went to cooking school instead because, to be honest with you, Georgie, I thought I'd stay there for a few weeks just to get my parents off my back. <laughs> and then I would go to the beach for the summer. And? Well, I met these crazy girls there from the country. And Australian country girls have lots and lots of fun. They can get you into trouble very quickly, and they're very good at getting out of trouble.
1: Is that right?
2: Yes, country girls, you've got to watch them. <laughs> so I had a great time at cooking school. It was really- and was this a, like, renowned cooking school? No. Was this, like, the pre of Sydney? It's actually a cooking school right next to the really fantastic fashion school where Nikki Zimmerman went okay. and but it's in an old sandstone jail.
1: Oh amazing.
2: So it's quite amazing depressing unusual buildings. Yes. but lots of creative people have come out of there. Okay. So I did this course which was like all the basics of cooking. It was a really unusual course. They don't even have it anymore, but it's like nutrition and basics of cooking and how to write a recipe and lots and lots of different things like that that actually shaped my career so it was something that i really loved the girls were super hilarious and always getting in trouble but not getting in trouble Finish were you getting course. in trouble too i oh, love no. they yeah I, I think they showed me the ropes of okay. how to get into good. trouble and then how to get out of it
1: good right um, passage
2: so I did this crazy kind of cooking diploma
1: and then... And how and long I just, did that last?
2: It was two years and then I just started in industry.
1: And, and were you standing out at that point as like, whoa, this girl's good and people were going, no. oh, look at what Donna's coat? I don't think
2: so. No? no, I wasn't because it was just a traditional cooking school where you had to follow quite traditional recipes. Mm. I remember one of my exams was making the perfect jam roll and I remember just like having such anxiety that mine wouldn't have a crack in the top and I would lose marks.
1: Gosh, the big stuff here. Yeah. It was the big issues, <laughs> I tell you. So two years, you got your diploma.
2: Mm-hmm. And then I had to freelance around just like trying to break into fashion or it's the same
1: thing. You and can- you came out going, this is what I want to do now. I feel like I've found my thing and I'm going to be, yeah. Going to be a Yeah, I mean, who would cook. have
2: thought I could have turned my hobby into my
1: career? It was... Mm-hmm fantastic and, and yeah. creating global and domination I know back then it just wasn't a thing though was it no it wasn't a thing and I started
2: working for other food stylists and assisting them on shoots and then I got a couple of gigs writing a few small recipes and
1: so can we just go back did you make a conscious decision that I'm not going to be a cook I'm going to be more down the sort of editorial root because, you know, I guess you come out with that kind of diploma and you could start a catering business. Yeah. You obviously... No, I, obviously I was kind of more drawn route. towards publishing Then, Okay. Do you know why that was?
2: I liked the creativity. I'm not good at cooking the same thing again and again and again. I yeah. think that's what turned me off of commercial kitchens as yeah. well. And back in those days, you know, you could have restaurants that cooked that didn't change their menu. These mm. days, restaurants change their menus daily. Mm. Some of them, mm. some of them change them seasonally, but it was not... Yes, showing my age, Georgie, was not like that back
1: then. <laughs> okay, so. So, being styling, freelance and having to pay you
2: rent, I thought I'm going to be the best food stylist assistant there
1: is. Otherwise, I'm not going to be able to afford to pay my rent. So, yeah. I was just. I mean, food styling not brilliantly paid. Food styling assistant, really not brilliantly paid. So,
2: food styling at home is slightly different to what it is here. Okay. So, when you're the food stylist, you're in charge of. Everything, the props, the food, the whole lot. So it's quite a big job. It's quite a big job. Okay. And this is for magazines. Magazines and books. Okay. And advertising as well. I did a big ah. stint assisting at advertising and TV commercials as
1: well. Interesting. Quite funny ones. Yeah. Can we talk about how difficult food styling is and food photography is? I don't think people appreciate how hard it is. I knew someone once who did that as a job. And she was like, the hours and hours and hours you spend. I mean, I I think we pick up these amazing cookbooks and don't realize that those pictures don't come easy, do they?
2: Well, editorial's quick.
1: Is it? It's evolved.
2: It's really quick. It's a massive art, though, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's like anything. You kind of get good at it, and so you, you get quick at it. And editorials really change. But back in the day... You know, under lights, and like I don't use any lights. I use just daylight so it's fast. But having a photographer set up his lights and then keep adjusting them and changing them, the food would be dead. Yeah. You know, it would be Lent. so sad and horrible. Yeah. So I kind of got rid of that really quickly. But I think the most challenging times when I was assisting is when I was on big TV commercials and everything had to look almost plastic. You worked yes. really hard. And I remember sticking sesame seeds on um, hamburger buns with tweezers and super glue and I've crazy heard stuff. people
1: say, Similar. Yeah, yeah, when I was really young, that's what I did. Okay, so you were a food stylist assistant. You were freelancing around, writing recipes, doing odd jobs. Okay, so what was the next step from there?
2: Well, I kind of joined with some young guys in a studio because it's really hard to take all your gear around like all your stuff around when you're a food stylist you'd like feel like you're continually like a removalist fan with food processors and you know big kitchen aid mixes and stuff so I joined with some young guys but we were in a suburb called Woolamaloo back in the day so we had this really shabby studio and I started there and I mean we did have some really great clients I had some work spread out over the studio floor that I was working on, some big ten eight Polaroids, and I didn't know at the time because I wasn't part of the fashion kind of set, but the newly appointed fashion director for Murray Claire, which was about to launch in a few months' time, walked through the studio because she was hiring the studio and she saw my work. She asked me to be the food editor.
1: Oh, and this was in 1990-something. Something. Something. So Marie Claire was about to launch in Australia, and you were the food editor of Marie Claire. which was a
2: really nice freelance gig. gig. But it was freelance, not for... No, no, not. I got to do all of my other work as well, which suited me fantastically. And did you enjoy the job as food editor of Marie Claire? Yeah, it was great, because they let me do whatever I wanted.
1: And what, so you had a certain number of pages that you got to fill. Don't run the deadline. Be a good girl. That's
2: it. It's great, yeah. And how long did you do that for? I did that for a really long time because they introduced another magazine called Murray Clare Lifestyle, where I was responsible for like 30 to 45 pages an issue. And that's really where I got to dabble in more styling work, like big sets, big, big, gorgeous tents out in sand dunes and white horses. and Food on white horses. Well, it wasn't on the horse, but you had to have the horse running through the background. Of course, of course. (laughs) In my mind, the horse had to be there. (laughs) <laughs> amazing you had some pretty good budgets for this stuff well yeah back in
1: the day budgets were amazing yeah. it was fantastic even in food you had big budgets did you to play with yeah in food and lifestyle we had huge budgets and who were the advertisers where was that coming from
2: lots of kind of home retailers as well big department stores beauty clients like to be around lifestyle as well Is yeah just let me go back one really important step Because long before Marie Claire, I nearly gave it all away because when I started, it was not just about the food. It was about napkin rings and flowers and napkins and some candle holders and a few candles and a bit of this and a couple of serving spoons. Like it was crammed full of stuff plus the food. Yeah. And I wasn't really good at the stuff bit. I was only good at the food bit. So I took a little bit of a break because I thought I really can't master all of this stuff. It just looks like a mess to me and I can't put it together and it's just not working for me at all. So it took a little bit of a plane trip to Paris. Bit of a hiatus. I did and I was kind of doing the whole contemplating maybe I've chosen the wrong thing to do and what am I going to do? So I kind of did the normal go around to the galleries, do all the sites, ate at a great restaurant, one every day, either lunch or dinner because I wasn't Flush with cash, and then my favorite thing, which is what I used to make with my sister, was lemon and sugar crepes. So I used to buy one Can't on the be, way sorry, back. So you cannot be lemon and sugar. No, grape. so I mean, simple, so, so delicious. All the nonsense.
1: It doesn't get any better than lemon and sugar. So
2: good. Yeah. Late night, bit chilly, walking back to my hotel. I would stop and get a lemon and sugar crepe. First place I stopped. folded it into a little fan. Regulation issue. Fold into a fan. There's your lemon and sugar crepe. Fine, great. Loving it. The next night, though, Georgie, no, that man didn't fold it into a fan, did he? No, he folded the edges in and made his into a square with all the lemon and sugar trapped in the middle. There's a new way to fold a crepe. Never thought about that. Third night, no, that man, he rolled his up, folded it together like bunny ears and put it in a cone. There's a different way to fold a crepe. It was like my lightning bolt moment because... There is a different way to fold a crepe. It was so regulated. It was so this is the way you style a crepe. Okay. This is the way you style a prawn cocktail. Okay. This is the way you do things. And so for me, just breaking out of that mold, all of a sudden I thought, oh my goodness, there is a different way to look at all food. Yeah. All the rules, which is what I love. You might notice <laughs> have just been blown out of the water. I see. There is no more rules in my world about food. I'm going to come up with a new way to fold the crepe, and yes. I'm going to
1: show everyone just and now. And there's
2: a new sandwich coming. There's a new bir- there's a new everything coming. Okay, okay, and it's
1: limitless, and I am excited. So basically, you're saying food was a bit stuffy, a bit staid. Well, oh, remember, you... we were
2: all working off French and English kind of rules. There were so many rules about how to cook and the way that you do cook, and it was very regulated. And so it was kind of followed through into styling. Mm. If you were styling crepes, you folded them into a fan, Georgie, and that was it. That was it. So that's done. But no
1: more. No. Because Donna went more. to Paris and she saw the light. I, yes, exactly. She saw the light. <laughs> so you went back to Australia.
2: Well, no, I kept traveling. I saw a shop that sold brioche. Well, it didn't just sell brioche in the normal shape of brioche. It sold it in 50 different shapes of brioche. And I kept seeing things then that kind of sparked my enthusiasm and my creative brain. Yeah. And then I went back and the rest is in the rest of this podcast. And did you go back to your job at Marie Claire? I went back and I started styling with those boys in Woolamaloo. Yeah. And I just had a different energy. I kind of, for some reason, I felt like I could break all the rules. Something just happened. I don't know if I found my confidence over there. I just found a different way to look at everything. Yeah, It was kind of like everything had been broken in a really great way. Yeah. So I did start then at Murray Claire and they really did say to me, whatever you do, don't run the deadline. And apparently you're quite good at this, so just go off off and do it. And then one of my friends was a junior in the fashion cupboard at Vogue. And, you know, we were all trying to make something of our lives. We had no cash. And we were the first generation of girls and boys who hadn't been taught how to cook because we had dual working parents like most of my friends had career mums yeah that's so true so we'd skipped and we were the first ones that kind of landed and we're in small apartments trying to make our way but most of my girlfriends were like, "Um, you know that roast chicken we had at your you house? Yeah. yeah. Like, remember when you cooked that roast chicken the other night? How did you do that?" Yeah. And so it just didn't stop. From like 2:30 onwards, my phone would just keep pinging of recipe questions from my friends. Yeah. And you so- were like,
1: "Hang on a minute, people."
2: Yeah. I've got to do something about this. Let's just go back to basics. And so the white on white thing for me was more about the basics. When I started doing white plates, white backgrounds for Marie Claire, not only did I love that look of restaurants. I mean, your food always looks beautiful on a pressed white tablecloth at a restaurant. But, you know, we were using all these crazy colored backgrounds and stuff. So that's when your first book came. Yeah, after I had Marie Claire for a little while, then I started to work on my books. And how did you have the confidence to
1: suddenly, you know, publish books—it's a very different thing for understood to said to Marie Claire. I think mean, now the book industry has had a sort of renaissance in the last ten years, but that was kind of a big confidence. decision. I think I was just asked. I think right. someone approached yeah. you, did they, and yeah, said, let's the book do some publisher books?
2: approached me and said, let's do a book. And the column was really popular in Murray Clare. But even after the book was published, I used to have terrible thoughts that it was going to be on the remainder table in some discount way. <laughs> well, it wasn't. So <laughs> tell us about that first book. It was called Murray Clare Cooking. It was called in Australia, but they didn't have the rights to that name anywhere else in the world. So it was called Donna Hay, the New Cook, I think, here in okay. the UK. That was a um, long um, time ago. What was in it?
1: It was just modern kind of food. Do you remember any recipes? Do any recipes stick out? There was
2: lime and balsamic grilled chicken breast that became a lot of people's favorites. Delicious. It was really good and it was really simple. It was literally balsamic lime juice, brown sugar, grilled chicken breast.
1: Where's the sauce going? Marinate it, grill the chicken, simmer down the sauce, pour it over. Done. That's it? The whole chicken breast? I like it. Served with what?
2: It was with the salad in the photo, I remember, just a simple little, okay. you know, flippy salad okay. looking all gorgeous and green.
1: So that sounds delicious. So that was the first book and it went really well.
2: Mm, it went really well. I mean, that book did incredible. Went into like nine different languages really quickly. It was quite groundbreaking. It was really white on white.
1: So the response was amazing. And then what happened next? Was it like, right, let's roll out a whole series of books now? Well, then we'll I just got the offers to of be
2: food styling here in London and in New York. And then I went to the south of France to food style for some mags that were out of the U.S. And I just traveled all over the world being in food styling, It was fantastic. So
1: this first book was in the 90s. We're now in 2019. You have 20 20- 9 books. I mean that's insane. Is there any other cook that's produced 29 cookbooks? There must be. There's a hell of a lot of cookbooks. It does sound like a lot, doesn't it? Can we it? just talk, brief side note, about the... Are they the good housekeeping birthday cake books that came out? Do you remember the that? The Women's Weekly. Oh, my God, the women's Weekly cookbooks. Yes. My mother's still got them. I mean, they, they just, are priceless. That's what I cooked the steak
2: Diane out of. Is, I didn't know if you it? would know those books. Oh, yes.
1: I knew this. My mother had the entire set yes, on her kitchen. Yes, you had
2: to. If you didn't have the collection, Dodgy. I mean, I mean were there of...
1: were volavons. There was yes, there prawn cocktails. <gasps> oh my god, they what were amazing. What happened to the volavant? <laughs> It died. <laughs> you know, I'm not sad about that. No. that I'm thinking I could give it a refresh. think?
2: As long as it didn't have all that soggy white sauce, kind of bechamel yeah, sauce in trouble, it, maybe it? I could bring maybe it back.
1: Could. The other book I have to write is the Women's Weekly, is the children's parties. Anyone listening who's a child of the 80s will have had a birthday cake could from that book. So Women's Weekly had, yeah, it was children's birthday cakes. Yes. I had a pink castle with ice cream cones as turrets do yes remember? i remember that i had a swimming pool which oh, was chocolate pool, with green jelly pool. inside chopped up jelly and i had basically what is colin the caterpillar i had like the original i think colin the caterpillar is inspired by australian women's weekly because you remember i remember the caterpillar i just do not know colin the oh caterpillar. Well, you don't know colin well when you've got a spare minute, listen to M&S and check out Colin the Caterpillar. There's also a Sainsbury's version. Is there? It is literally the chocolate on those cakes. It's so damn good. Wow. Okay. So, 29 books. Can you pick out three for me that you're particularly proud of? Well, I guess I'm proud of them for different reasons. The
2: first one, the Marie book. You- I really loved that book because it did start my career. Okay. And I had the freedom to do whatever I wanted, mm-hmm. which, you know, not many people get to do. Then I love the new book because like anything new in your life, like a new car or a new bedroom or a new kitchen, the newest one. Yeah, the novelty. Is the novelty. And it's the one that's the freshest in your mind yeah. and that you've worked so hard on. So yeah. Weak Light to me is my fave. yeah. And then I guess there's a couple in the middle that I love as well. There's a really nice book called Life in Balance, which is kind of my mantra of how I try and live. And then there's a book called Fast, Fresh, Simple, which was my first TV show as well, Okay. which was really boring. It's just me standing at a kitchen bench.
1: What's in the book?
2: The book is just really like my philosophy of ingredients that are worth their salt, in no pun intended. But, you know, really well combined fast I went back to it the other day and it must be 10 years old that book and you know I turned the pages like oh why haven't I cooked that I loved that recipe and and what were the ingredients in there there was a really great salad I remember looking at and a roasted chickpea kind of number that caught my eye and some other things in there and one of the my art direct chickpeas can we can we have a moment really for crunchy a roasted
1: chickpea yeah freaking hell someone i did it the other day for so some girlfriends that good. came over for
2: sunday lunch i did this old favorite chickpea salad because i was really out of time shredded carrots did this lovely honey tahini dressing took me two seconds pretended oh. it didn't and they were like raving about it like just crazy so crazy good. i also did fess tahini. up at the end
1: that i'm didn't Tahini spend. dressing with the chickpea, the with chickpea. honey in it and lemon. Yeah, oh, yeah, it was so good. good. I mean, I say these things like I cook them myself. I don't. Louise Parker's got a great recipe there for roasting pulses and chickpeas and things with a bit of soy yes, as well. Yeah, there, so There's a really
2: good roasted lentil salad as well. It makes kale.
1: I saw that and they go one all and... crunchy with the onions oh, and things. It's really so good. good. So good. good. Talk to us about the evolution of your cooking style because you know I imagine. That first one, which sadly I I don't have right now. I'm sure it was beautiful, but I'm sure it looked very different to weak
2: light. Yeah, it did. I mean, it was really white on white, but it was lots and lots of fresh, delicious food. So that thing hasn't changed. But the way people eat... What we can buy in the supermarkets, it's just, oh my goodness, it has changed so much. Yes. I was just telling someone the other day, that I remember going to the Thai part of Chinatown to buy coriander.
1: <laughs> Seriously? Yes.
2: You couldn't buy that
1: in the, you know, like it's changed Criminal. so much. I mean, so how do we live without coriander? I know, and lemongrass. We I mean, really have it for breakfast, it's so good. It's changed a lot, right, your style of food. I mean, I think of you as very sort of quite Asian-y. I don't know. People I say in Australia just, you have amazing sushi and there's quite yeah, an Asian influence. We're quite
2: influenced by our neighbours in Asia. So especially like the Thai, Vietnamese flavours, which go really well with the sunshine and the heat and, yeah. the, you know, the general weather. So that's kind of been adopted. And, yeah, there's sushi everywhere. Yeah. So,
1: But your general style has always been fresh. I mean... Le Mange aside and... That was a, yeah, low you know, point. And you're into your baking, but in terms of the savoury food, you've always been about, you know, that lime chicken sounds very fresh yes. and, and the stuff in this book yeah, as well. Yeah, really
2: kind of, I've always tried to choose fewer ingredients because I do write recipes for home cooks, not for chefs and restaurants. Yeah. Like choosing really great, bold ingredients that go well together. So I'm choosing less, but ones that really work hard together. Yeah. Because, you know, I work, I'm a mum, I have the same time as you when I get yeah. home. Don't give, me, don't give me 20 ingredients no, that. No, don't. I mean, and I can't I don't know. drive five kilometers out of my way to pick up one spice no. i just don't have the time and i really don't want to no. and then no. you find that spice when you're renovating your house georgie and you throw it out I know. 20 years later i know the
1: dates on some of them i'm so anal as well <laughs> I'm like right it's a month out of date it's going. <laughs> gone okay you mentioned fast fresh simple and that being your first tv show Explain to me how this sort of quiet girl with parents who never shouted suddenly had the confidence I to host so a TV dandy. show. I was
2: scared every single minute of it. I think I look like a frightened deer. I really do. And as a perfectionist, you're also styling the wrong way because as a food stylist, you are at the same angle as the camera. So now I only do stuff where I've actually got my own monitor that I can see. Is that right? Well, because you're styling backwards. The wrong way around. Yeah, and everything has to look nice because people don't want to look at yucky food. No. But how did that come about? I think I kind of almost got bullied into it. I kind of got to a place where people said, oh, well, your career's not going to progress any further unless you actually do some TV. So I did.
1: You did. And it was the beginning of huge
2: things. Yeah, I'm still not that comfortable doing... I kind of have to forget the cameras are there and do my own thing. But I like my tried and trusted crew. I'm not great with a brand-new crew. I like the boys who are really good at filming food. The
1: camera's still quite particular like I would be on a still set. And we obviously don't see you on our TV screens over here. I mean, we can do on YouTube. But is that something you're doing on a regular basis in Australia? I do more short videos now. Okay. For online, yeah, which is great, and I think my shows air here, but on a food dedicated network, a Sky Food Network, yes, channel. Which, if I had more time, I would like to sit down. I'd like to watch Barefoot Contessa. I'd like to watch. (gasps) Jeffrey's coming home this weekend. Don't you love her when she says that? I'm gonna roast a chicken, Georgie. Jeffrey's
2: coming home this weekend. I love her. It's my favourite line. Is it until I've rehearsed it? Yeah. (laughs) Oh, Jeffrey's coming home this weekend.
1: Does he just want her to be your mum? Wanted to roast me? me a chicken. I want to go over for Thanksgiving to Barefoot Contessa's house. God. God, How have you maintained? A Great physique. People always ask me about
2: diet, which I don't think it's fair to compare my diet with anyone else's because when you're testing recipes, I could seriously eat that zucchini courgette pancake off the cover like five times during a day. Oh, so I cozy. won't to eat the I, whole I, thing. Donna, I'm looking at this. <laughs> by the way, we're looking at the cover of Week Light. It's a zucchini mint and spinach pancake that's with edamame, um,
1: avocados, avocado, yes. tender 10 broccoli. Oh, Amazing. It's an amazing cover. Thank you. Um, but you could eat that all day. But anyway, it must be hard though because surely it's just temptation all around or is it a bit like working the Calvary's factory I remember as a child going and thinking why are they all slim they work in a chocolate factory yeah that's ridiculous and they're like oh we're just sick of the smell no, of chocolate Do but you when get you're working
2: the- on the recipes of course you have a deadline so you're intensely in the kitchen with your other little team members and you're all working on trying to make that pancake stick together perfectly taste great so you have to test try it mm. a couple of times mm. until it's perfect it would be nice if you got it right the first go that would be brilliant so Usually in that stage of when I'm doing the book, I still run when I'm not exhausted. and Do you, do and you, do you do exercise Pilates. to kind of counter? Yes, but that's kind of not because I'm worried about being overweight. It's more for my headspace than sure. anything and my creativity. It kind of, you know, it releases
1: all those endorphins and everything gets
2: processed yes, when I, I run c- in the I morning. I mean,
1: I could not agree more. Yeah. And actually, abs are made in the kitchen, yeah. you know, so I'm with exactly. you. It's headspace. It's, it's my heads- me time. So, yes.
2: And I run my super, super, super ridiculously early because I love being the only person awake mm. because it's so indulgent. It's hard
1: to get up there, isn't it? Well, it is here. Oh, my Lord, I went Adulting. at six this morning and it I was quite so young. snug in my bed and I was like, get up, get up, get up, get up, get up. I had to get out
2: and run through Soho. Did Imagine you this that. morning? Yeah, I did went you? for a quick one this morning. Did though, you? Good on you. you got see, actually. I don't have rules. If I just want to go for a quick run, I will. Yeah. Yeah. I don't kind of hold myself accountable yeah. that I didn't run 8Ks. Yeah. If I want to run 2Ks, I'll just run 2Ks. Yeah. There's no rules. See, I'm no rules, Georgie. No,
1: no rules. Well, I break all the rules. There's no point in having any rules. No, anyway, exactly. you look damn good on it, Donna. Talk to me about. You know, in terms of advice, everyone's listening, thinking, how do I cook more like Donna? What tips do you have for styling, for displaying food, for cheating it? I'm not a cook. I'm quite a good arranger. I always, I think, I always think, I already thought that about always, We'd make a good team, wouldn't we, George? I always think, you know, a bit of slate or a good plate or, a, you know, what advice do you give to people if they want their food to look good? Because that's a big part of it, isn't it? You eat yeah, your I think eyes. it's
2: more how much time you have. So for me, I'm always running out of time, but I love having my friends over. Mm. Like love, me love, love having them. I they love entertaining. Loud and boisterous and there's no one at a restaurant looking at you and it's just so much more fun. So, you know, I think the best thing that happened in my entertaining life, Georgie, was the invention of the share platter. Uh, I thought you were <laughs> that. I thought that was coming. Don't you love that? <laughs> so I think a really good collection of boards and things like that. I also have these crazy banana palms next door, to me, in a vacant block, so I often run out there with my little secateur, garden snippers, yeah. and I'm very much about the foraging, but not for the wild mushrooms, for the styling things. You're using stuff that's around you to make yeah. your food look. And also, what I've learnt through. Food styling all over the world is that fresh food that's served quickly and not fussed over always looks best. So if you buy mm. greens and they're a little bit ho hum, mm. then you've got to chuck them in a bowl of ice water and revive them. And so just keeping things looking fresh and yummy, and you know herbs that are really lovely and crunchy, that
1: makes all the difference, I think. So good about products because you've got your own products. I mean, you're doing it all: twenty nine cookbooks, TV shows, products. Donna has bought me some very, very smart tea towels, spatulas. It's funny. We were just saying the other day, why is it? People have such dreadful tea towels. They have a really nice kitchen. The tea towel's been hanging around for a It's weird, and they wipe their plates with it and everything. I don't get it. Oh, it's one their children made at school. Which school came up with the idea? Which school? Of your child's... Self-portrait, along with their other class, on a tea towel. I don't want one Which school
2: came up with the Father's Day idea of making tie-dyed ties well, for your dad to wear to work? That's bad,
1: too. I agree. Now, that is shocking. Dad to the ties. No. And tea towels for the kitchen. I don't want 19 different tea towels with... I have two wind chimes in my guest
2: bathroom. That my boys made at school. I have lots in my guest bathroom for people to look at.
1: Yeah, I feel a, <laughs> <It's> bit, unner- <laughs> quite I feel a bit unnerved at that. <laughs> Let's get back to your tea towels, show. <laughs> so you have your own range of tea towels of kitchenware. Where did that come about? How did that come about?
2: Well, I used to have a much bigger range with Royal Dalton as well. Because mm-hmm. I just love designing and drawing. And my prop room is insane. So I've always loved ceramics and when I was on jobs in Paris and the south of France I would go to the markets and buy beautiful props and ship them all home with me. So homewares has always been my thing so I guess extending into cookware was just something I thought I'd just have a bit of fun with. And how is the product going? It's going really well because I think when you design kitchenware product being a cook and you do all the things that you love and all the things that you don't love you take out of the product so you know they're fully enclosed in silicon and they go in the dishwasher so if you cook a curry with them one night throw them in the dishwasher you could cook a cake with them the next night so it's all they very practical as well as lovely before.
1: I can't say I'm someone that hops up and down over kitchenware but when Donna brought in her tea towels and her <laughs> silicon spatulas I was like ooh these are nice can you buy them in the UK no not should, yet you should I'll be, be able to buy to. them off my website sorry. off your website but you ship to the UK yeah okay We've got to talk about baking. I mean, I have a sweet tooth, but weirdly not for puddings too much. When I think of you, I think of your fresh What do you have a sweet tooth for, then? Chocolate. Just chocolate. Yeah, chocolate, Diet Coke, those <laughs> sorts of things. <laughs> Just the good stuff. But then. not really, I'm not, puddings are a bit wasted on me, but I love popcorn or I love an energy ball or a... Something like that, well, but then, I don't You know what
2: I would cook for you then out of week light? I would cook for you the chocolate tahini cookies. Oh. So I've replaced the butter with tahini. Delicious. Then we've got some wholemeal spelt flour and some goat And the tahini makes your skin glow as well as it being chock full of
1: dark oh. chocolate chunks. So I think I'd win you over with I those. I think you would definitely win me over with those. Anything with tahini in or like a nut butter or something and actually peanut butter for breakfast every single day really every single day and the puddings in here are particularly good but something like a crumble or whatever you know no, no. or it's a bit wasted on me but what are your tips for being good at baking because you are really well known if you're baking do you feel the baking's less a part of you now than it was No, i
2: find it more challenging to do really really super tasty baking but almost like a maybe a cleaned up version with my sweet tooth so I can eat it more often, Yeah, That's the challenge. I don't want to eat something and go, oh, wow, that was healthy. I want to eat it and go, wow, that was absolutely delicious. Yeah. And, hey, that had some pretty good nutritional points in it as well.
1: So for people listening, what would you say?
2: Well, I think the first rules of baking are that you have to measure. Okay. It's not like savory cooking yes, where you can kind of add lib. So a lot of people that just don't like to be precise... Not great bakers. Yeah, okay. You know, mixed results. Sometimes you can get away with it, but more it's, often than it's not, a science. it's a science and you okay. have to stick to the rules. Okay. So that's the first thing about baking. And then there's the other challenge I've had about swapping things in and out, like nut butters and, you know, I make really lovely bliss balls, but I don't use dates. I use nut butters and mm-hmm. ground nuts and things like that, because I'm not a big fan of sugar spiking and mm-hmm. going crazy mm-hmm. around the office. So. Okay, so
1: I love those sorts of balls. Yeah. But I wouldn't put these down as a pudding. To me, they're a no, snack. No, they're a snack.
2: Snack. They're or a better snack. for you snack.
1: Okay, so you're using nut butters instead of dates.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm still a without final... a pavlova for a dinner party. Will you, know, you my friend. Oh my goodness, I think my friends would lynch me if I, you know, served up a nice little platter I like of a protein good balls. balls.
1: Actually, yeah, not, nice. too much, not too much cream. No, but with a, a swirl of
2: passion fruit curd. My friends oh, like through yes. it or fresh passion fruit. Lots of raspberries.
1: I imagine I'd like your pavlova. Do you prefer baking to cooking? No, either.
2: I think you have to have time to do big baking projects which I don't often have mm. but I'm happy to whip up a bowl of tahini chocolate chip cookies you know it's all just in one bowl mix it together and you're done mm-hmm. that kind of baking is fine for me and I have two teenage boys so I often make them big chunky breakfast cookies I call them so it's just mashed banana and oats and almond meal and like stuff Oh now you're talking It's like a big like banana granola in a cookie Ooh. Because we're often running out of the house to get to school. And so if they grab three or four of those, it's fine. Or if they're off to rugby training or whatever they're doing. So try and make sure that I do have stuff to fuel them because otherwise they're just going to make yeah. Some pretty rotten food choices, aren't they?
1: And what about smoothies and juicing? Are you into that kind of thing?
2: I quite like a green smoothie, but mm. it's pretty healthy. Okay. Like I'm not into fruit into my smoothies. I'm kind of more you, your leaf spinach, lemon, kale, kind of cucumber number. You're no. gagging,
1: aren't you? No, I mean, Sorry. put celery anywhere near a smoothie and I want oh, to yeah, run am not Yes, does not that become a thing? <sighs> Bloody Mary's or a risotto only. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I like my celery. So tell me, what things do you always have in your fridge? Can you give me top five things that you always have in your fridge and your cupboard? I think there's a
2: couple of ingredients that you can't go wrong with, like the lemon. Uh-huh. You can use the, the rind, you can use the juice big punchy flavour you can use it in sweet and savoury a dressing like it just does so many different things and it's different to vinegar it's fresh and zesty
1: and it's damn good on a crepe
2: that's exactly right
1: (laughs) okay so lemon what else I think you know having good
2: quality parmesan is always great okay and then for me it's more like fresh herbs and things like that I try and keep them in the crisper so that I can you know make something a little bit more lively than
1: and which herbs do you always turn to I mean coriander hello I
2: always usually have flat leaf, parsley, basil, more of those type of things. And okay. I have tried my hand at gardening lately. Okay. With Mix mixed success, success what might say. Okay, you- so
1: we've got lemon, we've got parmesan, we've got herbs. I'm sensing there's some pasta involved here. Yeah. Oh, what's all that? Are you into spiralizing? No. No. I'm into
2: the julienne vegetable peeler. Oh, yes. So I don't have to get out the spiralizer, but I just get out the sharp julienne yes. vegetable peeler. Carrot, zucchini, so many things. Lots of crunch,
1: easy. Delicious. Do you use a Magic Mix? What's the equipment that you use? Because you can julienne quite quickly, can't you, in a Magic Mix?
2: Oh, I can't wash all that up, Georgie. No, okay. I've washed up so many food julienes in my time. It goes very thin, isn't it? Yeah. But I mean, I'm out of my depth
1: here on the julienne. <laughs> utensils chat
2: slightly scared uh, but, but even it, at the word I the feel end. like is that one it's really thin yes but there's a yes. little hand one that just has a little guard that okay. is like a mandolin slicer so I would rather have
1: that so what are your store cupboard I feel like that stuff all belongs in the fridge what's in the cupboard clearly a jar of tahini yes jar of tahini and I'm with you
2: on the nut butters. Because they're kind of the basis to mm-hmm. yummy baking and all sorts of things. Are there key oils that you, you swear by? I'm just an olive oil girl. Okay. I'm an olive oil girl because you can buy it from lighter flavored extra virgin olive oil to kind of robust and fruity, but I'm lucky enough to have access to really fresh olive oil because really fresh olive oil has tons of antioxidants in it. Okay. So living in Australia, I wouldn't buy an imported Italian olive oil that's two years old because the nutritional value in it is probably pretty zip. Sure. And you cook quite a lot of Asian food. Yes. Are you using olive oil for that too? Um, the light one, I do. Are oh, you? Interesting. Yeah, I would much rather use it than processed vegetable oil.
1: Interesting.
2: Absolutely. I've got a bit of a good thing to know. about that.
1: Good to know. Okay, so we've got tahini. We've got lots of good well, going on oil. the
2: Asian ingredients, I would always have like a really great... Asian chili jam as well. What that's are you doing a, with that? Well, you can stir-fried veg in it. You can spread it over chicken breast or a piece of salmon. Pop it on the barbecue, under the grill. It's kind of one of those ingredients that's really well-flavored. You know, mm. it's not just one thing. It's like a mixed... Okay. Yeah, chilies and fish sauce usually and garlic and ginger and mm. lots of things in it. It's good. Delicious, delicious.
1: But just talk a bit more about Asian food. Why this really strong influence... Do you think it's because of, as you said, in Australia, it's popular? Is it personal preference? I mean, to me, Asian food, Japanese food is just my absolute heaven. It's all I want to eat. Mm. Which well,
2: is- it's quite clean. And then when you look at the ingredients, you can really make them pop.
1: Yeah. So
2: anything from, you know, miso paste to fish sauce and lime juice, you can make really simple combinations, but they really, really work hard. Yeah. And it's such really vibrant, great flavors. Yeah. I can see why people are attracted to them. Mm, And it's healthy, isn't it? Absolutely. Fresh and clean. Yeah, if you make a salad and you make a beautiful Thai dressing, all of a sudden it's just zinging with flavour. Thai dressing? Give me a. 221. What's going in there? 221, Georgie. That's the magic formula. Two fish sauce, two lime juice, one brown sugar. Life changing, Georgie. That two is, two one can use it as a dipping sauce, or dressing. Not putting any sesame oil in there. No, not. That's just the basic one. You can do what you like with it from there. there, you're, you not there. you're
1: not putting any mirin in there. you not. You will.
2: You can swap out the mirin. Yeah, but the basic Taiwan is two two one. Then you can do with it what you like. Amazing. I think you could do. Two soy, two mirin, one brown sugar for Japanese. I think you're onto something.
1: Okay, let's talk about Wheat Light. So this is your 29th cookbook. That's phenomenal. Which means there's got to be a 30th because you can't stop on 29. No, it's an odd number, isn't it? It is, it is. But God, it's a great number. I've got it here. It says super fast meals to make you feel good. So that's just everything I want. Fast and light and they make you feel good. I'd say, what's this book about? I mean, that's what it's about, isn't it?
2: Yeah, it's about looking at vegetables in a whole new way and not feeling like at the end of the meal, where did my piece of meat go? Mm. So for me, a couple of things. After closing the magazine, I got to get back to doing what I really, really love doing.
1: Side note, closing the magazine, you had your own magazine. Mm-hmm, for 17 years. Which, I mean, God, incredible, incredible. We haven't even touched on that, but that was a huge success, 17 years. Yeah. And, and you like- closed it
2: because... Because 17 years of deadlines is a long time. It was doing really well, and I think that's what shocked everyone is that I didn't close it because we hit financial difficulty or we didn't sell tons and tons of subscriptions. I just had, I mean, enough of 17 years (sighs) of deadlines and sitting at a desk. I was so far away from what I started and what I loved doing. When I got to 100 issues, I could see the 100 coming I could Mm. see it ticking And I just thought, Mm. the train has to stop. Mm. It really felt like a runaway train and I was the driver and there was no stopping at a station, no stopping anywhere. And no other driver but you. No other driver. And so everybody gets to change their career and change what they do. If you wanted to, you could shut this tomorrow and go and do something else. But it was such, I guess I was unprepared for the backlash of closing it. And I was unprepared for people not being able to see my side of it after seventeen years of deadline. You can't go on holidays without a deadline chasing you. You kind of plan your life around six weekly
1: deadlines. Yeah. I mean, you are talking to the person who was on holiday yesterday and spent its half term ten hours at yeah. her laptop until it got to the point where my husband said, "If you don't put that down, I will throw it." In the well, fire. it does. So, you know, so it you really know, does it, it, affect the, your life. It does. And you, You don't
2: switch off on holidays, and so you never do have a holiday, a true holiday. So anyway, for me, I started writing Weeklight. I started working on other projects, and it's made me very, very, very happy. Mm. It's a
1: happy book, isn't it? so much I literally can't tell you. It landed on my desk. And when I say cookbooks come into this office, you know, by the dozen, by the day, and I always go, oh, I want to take that one home. Oh, I want to take that one home. And then I go, why am I taking it home? Because I don't really cook very much and it's just gonna sit there. I've taken this one home and I've actually cooked from it. And, oh, it's just delicious. I'm leafing through now. spring green bowls and you've got simple things like fig, rocket, and goat's cheese galette. I mean, that's sort of super simple. And then you've got this amazing edamame avo smash, which is just so of the moment. Oh, this as well. Fragrant lemongrass and coconut pumpkin. It's like a sort of stewy, soupy thing, isn't it?
2: Yeah, it's meant to be kind of a liquidy curry type of thing, but not soupy. A bit halfway. It's so good. You know, so so you have that really lovely, flavoursome broth at the end that you... So it's a bit of everything. Delicious. It's a bit of a curry, a bit of a soup.
1: I'm looking at your toasted spiced lentil salad, yes, which I, I haven't I'd had, had for you. but you were talking about that. But think... it's simple. You know, we've got onions, lentils, spinach, fennel, pear, lemon, pistachios. I mean, it's all pretty straightforward. Oh, my God, this one. <gasps> they are so good. So this is frozen peas, spinach, mint, dill, ricotta, eggs, chia seeds, Lemon, rockets, that's hiki. I mean easy like not those silly rare ingredients that are no. such a No, and it, find, The aren't balance they? in that,
2: which let me bore you for a second, Georgie, is that I added the eggs and the chia seeds. So not only does it fill you up, it's actually a balanced meal as well. Okay. Because the chia seeds are really high in omega threes. Eggs are a complete protein. So that's fantastic. So it's a really balanced recipe, which I haven't kind of got on my high horse about nutrition, but i have just done it and put it I've in there. I've done it and I've put it in there. So when you eat it, A, you feel satisfied, but B, I know when you ate it, you're actually, yeah. it's complete. Yeah. So you're doing great things for your body as well.
1: Yep. Another favorite quinoa tabbouleh with seared feta <gasps> and totally lemon tahini dressing. I mean, this is so simple. This is quinoa, tomatoes, cucumbers, mint. Parsley, feta, and then a tahini dressing. I mean, heaven. And I love that that would be like... Lunch with the girls, Saturday lunch, weekday dinner, Yum. and this one, charred cabbage, warm apple salad.
2: Yes, because I took all of the things that I had vegetable phobias about from a child. Did you, <laughs> you ever remember coming home from school and smelling boiling cabbage? Oh, my
1: God, I disgusting. do. I remember being forced to eat it. I yeah, was like, and it's this- like boiled Brussels sprouts. Horrible. Boiled That's, courgettes.
2: Oh, like water, hot water bombs, weren't they? They're disgusting. They really? exploded in I your mean, mouth. I mean, I still can't day. do a
1: Brussels sprout, sorry. Oh.
2: Well, what I've done is I've taken cabbage and made it into a miso cabbage miso Japanese. Miso cabbage But a really Japanese. crunchy one, not with I flour mean. and stodginess, a really crispy, crunchy one with salty miso, oh. pickled ginger. If
1: Laura editor, was in here now, she'd be salivating at the thought of a miso cabbage Yum. Japanese pancake. Okay, here's my, I wish people could see this now. I mean, you are a food stylist. That's where it all started, isn't it? So this is cucumber rolls with crispy chia salmon. So basically, these are the most finely... If you take your cucumber lengthways... Just a really sharp, wide vegetable peeler, Georgie. Strip it down
2: and then overlap them so you've got a cucumber mat. And then you pile everything else on it, use salmon, with the cheese seeds on the outside, which goes super, super crunchy. I mean, that's omega-3. You are glowing for weeks. I don't care I mean, what beauty regime you are using, but there it is right there in your food. And then you wrap it around with the cucumber, sort of like a nori roll, but instead of seaweed, you've got cucumber. Or a rice paper roll. Instead of that, it's all crispy, yummy. Oh, I love
1: a rice paper roll. Well, anyway, all this is is... Peeled cucumber lengthways, then it smashed edamame and avo, basically with seared salmon on top. I mean, Yum. this picture is amazing. If there was one recipe in this book that I had to be The day, leftover it was cucumber
2: goes in your gin, happy, happy days. days. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I have to say, I think the book is an absolute triumph. I had to bring it back in from home. Right. to have it with me today. I was like, don't forget the book. Uh, and I will be putting it straight back in my bag. And you do you know what? I have home. given so many away on my trip that
2: I actually don't have any left. Good. Well, I'm glad I remember. it. So that's the that sign of a good book, It's isn't a it, very good book. Congratulations.
1: I think it is the book that has spoken to me the most that's for a long time. I'm chuffed. Good. Um, I'm going to finish with a few quick fire questions. Okay. Got, um, hold on. I'm ready. So... Do you have a hero ingredient that you use all the time? Lemons. How would you encourage people to get creative with their everyday cooking?
2: Try something new but not too difficult. Okay. I think we all fall into the trap of running through the supermarket and choosing exactly the same things week after week because we feel comfortable doing that. Yeah. And so what I've done lately is I've got onto an organic vegetable delivery service. Yeah. And so I go through the little newsletter of what's in season and I try and choose something that I need to be a bit more creative with Mm -hmm. instead of just feeding my boys the same thing yeah it's so easy to get into
1: and do the same thing isn't it friday night dinner party what is on the menu do you know what my friday night dinner parties i think it's
2: because it's the end of the work week and i'm kind of rolling in home late they always go to the wall i don't think eclectic is the right word but they're often the most colorful okay friday night dinner parties okay sharing platters Yes, gin with rosemary and all sorts of lovely things we had the other night.
1: I bet they're fun. They are Um, fun. Sunday night on the sofa, last minute of the week, what do you eat? I usually do a vegetable
2: bowl. So at the moment I'm doing those spring greens bowls, which is like sauteed cauliflower or broccoli rice with lots of chili and peanuts Mm -hmm. and then I'll add whatever else I've got some crunchy snow peas some creamy avocado make a little dressing maybe with a nut butter like even with cashew nut butter you can make a really
1: beautiful Mm. yummy dressing so something big and in a bowl any tips on making homemade hummus I'm a big hummus eater
2: are you yeah I love it do you use canned chickpeas don't tell me you're boiling them from scratch
1: how about I'm buying ready-made hummus from the supermarket? Well, that's what you should do. You're okay. a busy woman. Okay, fine, that's okay. If you're going to make it yourself, you know what?
2: I think you should buy it from the supermarket, and then in your repertoire, have some like fancy toppings to make yes, it your own. A few
1: pine nuts and a an drizzle of olive oil. You're
2: already there. Yeah, you've you see, already fooled your girlfriend, Avenue Georgie.
1: <laughs> no, <laughs> oh, they, they not believe <laughs> it. That's the trouble. They name me too well. <laughs> Tell me, when you come to London, do you have a favorite place to eat? You know, I have
2: favourite little stop-offs because I don't have a lot of time. There's a little cafe around the side of Burberry off Regent Street. They do the most beautiful little glass teapot of fresh mint tea a lovely range of homemade cakes and cookies and little things.
1: What is the name of that little cafe around the corner? I think it's Thomas's. Okay, Thomas's, we've got it.
2: So and- I'm all into like the little pit stop. Then there's a really gorgeous little restaurant called Evelyn's Table. It's tiny. There's only like six chairs. The guy gets beautiful seafood in every day and then makes up the recipes on the spot, which I think is super creative. That's Ooh, always where fun. where's that? And Soho. And then I love spring, Sky Gingell's. Restaurant Spring, always yeah.
1: beautiful, fresh produce, beautiful. lovely. Have you been to the new Petersham Nurseries at Common Garden? No, I had a look, though. Pretty. Pretty, very, very pretty. pretty. Excuse me while I put that on yes, my list. I do. I do. I think you'd appreciate the food styling. It's very lovely to look right. at. Finally, for people visiting Sydney, can you give us three restaurants? Let's do my
2: neighbourhood in Sydney. Let's... So I live near Bondi. Okay. Sunday lunch, you're going to
1: Iceberg's. What does Sunday lunch look like at Iceberg's?
2: An unbelievable view of the sea pool and Bondi Beach and blue beyond in the sun. Very beautiful. All the windows and doors are open. Lovely sea breeze. Very hip, cool crowd. Great fresh food. One of my favorite things on the menu, which is Morton Bay bugs. I know it doesn't sound nice. It's the sweetest, sweetest mini lobster tail, like a longestine like a scampi. Ooh. With homemade linguine, just a little bit of chili, a little bit of lemon.
1: I mean... That's my kind of Sunday lunch. Sort of roast. So good. Give me the longest scene any day. Yeah, with a bit of linguine. Oh, so good. Okay, sounds so good. So you're going there for Sunday lunch.
2: lunch. I have a little hole-in-the-wall kind of thing at North Bondi where I get my coffee. Does it have a name, the the hole-in-the-wall? Yes, it's called Brew, B-R-U. Great coffee there, very funny, entertaining baristas. And then I would send you to my neighbourhood Japanese called Raw Bar. And again, that's all the windows are open, the sea breeze is coming through, really fresh, tasty Japanese, lovely spinach salad with that lovely toasted dressing of sesame and miso. Gorgeous, definitely going there. Okay, For your sweet tooth. We're going to Riley Street in Woolloomloo. We're going to go to a little bakery called Flower and Stone. And you are going to lock in with me and I'm going to treat you to many Australian delicacies in the sweet world. She does the most amazing lamington, which she dips in panna cotta first, Mm. rolls in chocolate and three different types of coconut, the desiccated, the shredded, and the chips, so you get the crunch of all coconuts. Does sweets. she
1: do a posh, what are the biscuits, like bourbons that come from Australia, but a better?
2: Like a Tim Tam? A Tim Tam. I think she might. I love a Tim Tam. Do you? Oh, oh, are you funny Brits? You do love a Tim I Tam. Know, I know, I love a Tim Tam. one thing I send Tim over here. Forever
1: I'm yeah. at the post office sending My Tim Tams. My last was from Australia, and she <sighs> went back Christmas. I was like, if you come back without the Tim Tams... Jim Tams, yeah, Cherry Wax and Chocolate to...
2: Bullets. It's all I get asked for.
1: Donna, what a blast. Thank you. I mean, we could chat for hours. Please come back another time. Good luck with wheat light. It is you. honestly, hand on my heart. It is one of the best cookbooks I've seen in a long time. We are so thrilled to have had you. Thank you. And yeah, I have thoroughly enjoyed this. That's it for this week. If you enjoyed that, then do please rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends. We will be back soon. Bye bye.
0: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well,
1: Hello Fresh
0: is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Geeky Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm, Hello Fresh